Chapters 4, 5, and 6 of Minstrel Weather by Marion Storm. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 4 The April Moment. A survivor of so much that her fear is gone, triumphant April answers the dark powers as if they could never speak again. Spring after spring she stands among the flying petals and smiles at the last bitter winds. She will not grant that the green earth was ever vanquished, fiercely alive as now it is. Scornfully the new silver bloom on the clover sheds the relentless rain. Undaunted, reaffirming, she summons all beauty of color, music, and fragrance beneath her banners, with a vitality so profound and impregnable that, more than other months, she is careless of man's sympathy. April, preoccupied, hastens from crumbling furrow to meadows that shout the coming of the green. Intense and too eager for tenderness, she craves no admiration quite without excuse the song sparrow sits on a wine-colored willow twig and sings frantically anyone has as good a reason for ecstasy as he merely that the dumb struggle is ended and the long suns have returned in splendor contemplative between their dark exotic leaves dog-tooth violets fill the light-flecked hollows spring beauties open warily at daybreak to show stamens of deep rose where imperious amber waters go foaming through the swamp, spendthrift gold of cowslips is swept down to the rivers, and budded branches that leaned too close above the ripple are shut out from the sun-world for a while. Mauve and canary slippers are waiting for the fairy queen where our wild orchid of the north dangles them on remote knolls, but they are usually found and borne off by someone for whom they are in no way suitable translucent young leaves glitter beside the stream's path dandelion rosettes appear with serene impartiality on guarded lawn and mountain pasture where steal also the polite but persistent pussy tiptoes asserting the right to display white leaves in spring if so a plant should choose the snail has deserted his shell and gone forth to take the air at the risk of being ploughed under none of april's children remember or foresee the vivid present is enough the apple boughs are inlaid with coral the peach is a cloud of dawn and petals of the forward cherry and pear are floating reluctantly down wild fruit trees mysteriously planted are misty white above the woodland thicket scented crab-apple and twisted branch of plum this is the month of blossoms as may is the month of shimmering leaves and june of the fruitless flower the blackbird swings at the foamy crest of the haw disturbed by a thousand delights and notes too few to tell them the crow hoarsely mentions his rapture as he flaps above the moving harrow and the new lambs look on in a tremulous wounded manner while the famished woodchuck makes away with the clover heads they were just about to endeavor to bite off uncertainly the wondering calves proceed about the pasture not yet at the stage in life where they will skip with touching curiosity after every object that stirs at dusk and glistening morning there are bird songs such as only april hears the outburst of welcome to the light and the sleepy fluting of the robins when the sky turns to a soft prism in the west 
Fainter, more melancholy even than in March, is the twilight lament of the peepers. They are alien to the aria of April. New England's forget-me-nots are fleet turquoise in the grasses. New England's arbutus flowers lie flushed pearls among the ancient leaves, but everywhere are the violets of three colors, yellow for the pool's edge, white among the boglands, and blue as pervasive as the sunlight on hill-slope, road-bank, and forest floor. And there are violets of an unfathomable blue, sprinkled with white like wisps of cloud against far mountains. Some grow close to earth, taught by past dismay. Others, long-stemmed and sweet, will live and suffer and mend their ways next year. The windflower meets the breeze, a slim princess, incredibly fragile, yet broken less easily than the strong tulip, vaguely touched with rose or white as bloodroot. Tulips dwell not only on the ground. They have parted great opaque petals at the tops of trees, startling to see in the leafless wood. Watercress glitters in the cold streams where trout, winter-weary, are on patrol for those flies now magnificent in their jeweled dress of spring. The first oak leaves are delicately crimson at the end of the bough. Disregard, amid this pageantry of La Vita Nuova, the outrageous satire of brown skeleton fingers that point stiffly up through the shining blades of grass. If they seem to be a chilling cynicism of nature, who has not found an April dandelion telling a braver story through winter snow? Cedar and a balsam twig are golden-tipped. Nothing is unchanged. Immortal wings that beat through February gales to reach this land of their tradition are fluttering now about the building of the nest. The smooth chimney swift flashes above the barn and is gone. With drooping wings he hangs poised against the daffodil sky in his evening play. Peaceably among the lilacs the contented bluebird sits, though through bulb, root, and chrysalis has passed the irresistible current that will let no sharer of the earth be still, not stone, nor seed, nor man. Into this forced march April steps with gladness, hailing the order predestined to change. Join her unresisting. Take for your own the moment of escape which the singer in the blossoms freely claims. Life's fullness is measured by these salvaged April moments when suddenly joy becomes a simple and close-dwelling thing, when for a merciful lighted instant the impersonal and endless beauty of the world seems enough. CHAPTER V. THE CREST OF SPRING Flickering soft leaves, spangled with sunlit rain, give May a robe diamond sown, as lighted spray may weave for the sea. Skimming wings catch sunrise colors. The grass blade is borne down by the exquisite burden of one translucent pearl. This is the luminous youth of the year, and its splendor lies deeper than the glitter of dew and rain jewels, for it is visible in the forbidding strongholds of hemlock and pine, where a sunless world still shines with May. In one month only nature lights her unquenchable lamp. 
look down upon the orchard from a hill the young leaves are lanterns of sheer green silk not the richly draped and shadowy foliage of full summer lustrous is the new red of poison ivy and woodbine of swamp maple and slowly budding oak where in july the hard light will play as upon metal lake and stream are faintly shimmering gray rain cannot dim the radiant freshness for trees thus queenly clothed in blossoms never bend submissive to the pelting skies let that fragment of creation which bears umbrellas prostrate its spirit before the blossom storm seven times renewed the answer of the flowered thorn is always exultant amid departing petals which have played their role and gone voyaging on raindrops the may month flaps its glad green leaves like wings wild shrubs upon the mountain slopes are in thronging bloom delicately pink and nectar-laden the prodigal azalea calls to the honey-bees always bitterly industrious and severely intent upon duty amid a general festival it is a great satisfaction sometimes to find a bee overtaken by intoxication and night within a water-lily or hollyhock his obtrusive good example smothered sweetly for once he was not at the hive in time to murmur of his heavy day of posting from garden to meadow dowered with a white simplicity beyond the pensive moonflowers the bracts of the dogwood seem afloat among gray branches misty seen far off clear-cut to nearer view eloquent of spring without fragrance as without pretense the mountain laurel holds above gleaming leaves its marvelously carven cups faint pink or white amber-flecked all winter it has kept the green when ground pine lay snow-bound and spruces sagged with sleet the victor may find his wreath at any time of year for our laurel has it ready high toward the stars in regal manner the tulip-trees lift their broader chalices it is possible in these on the topmost boughs that the fairies sleep where mortals never climb up to look in bilberry shadbush and briar stand in may marriage robes of white quiet and beautiful scented at dusk when the sun warmth begins to leave the blossoms the red haw wears a little fine golden lace farther south the rhododendron is gorgeously displayed magenta verging on damson the air is precious with the plentiful sweetness of lilac and magnolia of the memorial lavender lilac that summons homesickness to city parks on evenings of may the carmine glow of the flowering quince is here brought from its tropic wilderness the long flushed curve of the almond spray bends meekly towards the sod opulent is every bush though its blossoming may be secret in colors beloved of kings the velvet minutely perfect iris commands the garden path behind it in despair the old-time bleeding heart laments and the bells of the valley lily hang chiming fragrance impatient climb the red-stalked peonies the current is in green but pleadingly sweet blossom high thick grass and clover in mayfields are only the setting for the dazzling buttercup who shakes the dews from her closed petals before daybreak and folds them prayerfully at about the time the birds turn home 
first white daisies supremely fresh and lucid as all may's glories are show a few misleading foam flecks of the flood with which they intend to overwhelm the crop of hay feathery yellow of the wild mustard nods beside the road as if it were not anchored to immovable roots already the sapphire star grass is hiding in the meadows gone are the blossoms of the wild strawberry the canary-colored five-finger vine would lace itself over the world given but half an opportunity so would the bramble of the fair white blossom and maroon-bordered leaf still are restless wings now upon the guarded nest some flash along the turned furrow circle near the eaves dip sharply to the ripple willow fronds are startled by the glinting blue of the kingfisher scarlet of the tanager once more the chimneys of old houses know the flickering swallow the oriole has come to the orchard again the wren to the grape arbor tiny rabbits beholding for the first time what white clover can be twitch their noses in content tired children returning from rifled woodlands with too many posies drop them in the path like flower girls entrusted to strew the way of summer it is more comfortable not to grant flowers the capacity for pain but we demand nevertheless that they enjoy giving pleasure to us so doubtless they are glad to be of service even in this thwarted fashion yet may's store is manifold her waiting buds can replace the scattered ones the face of nature wears in the shining month a beauty something less than mature but more than the mischief and the troubling intensity of april the wonder of the hour the adieu of spring and the rejoicing shout of coming summer dwells there a subdued impassioned note the crest of the year's youth merges like all crests into the wave beyond renewed forever like the waves to man alone has been given the difficult task of keeping on without a spring that singular adversity is ours in common with inanimate things may rose and lilac come back each year to the forsaken house but to the house may brings no change about it a world of snow becomes a world of blossoms as for us and the sun creates but the house needs aid of human hands man of earth's quickened beauty in luminous may chapter six hay harvest time by the manifold hayfields only were her wild rose token banished a traveller returning from another land to our june not knowing the time of year might name the month in days just before hay harvest the glistening dance of meadow-grasses is most splendid their soft obedience to the winds is readiest deep rose plumes of sorrel the wine-coloured red top smoky heads of timothy are forever a ripple and though overstrewn with flowers they reveal when bent beneath the step of the southwest breeze a thousand lowlier flowers near the roots here the wild morning-glory the tiny field convolvulus hides perilously in the mowing white clover and yellow five-finger are spread the grass-flower holds up its single jewel the swaying stems are trellises to many a wandering vine there are fairy arbors where a tired elf might sleep guarded from the sun as well as in a jungle here too the wild strawberries are ripening not breathing yet the bouquet of july 
but the white wild strawberry lover of the shades has already reached its pallid ripeness far beneath the moving surface of the grass ocean lies a dim and mysterious world lined with track and counter-track of the beetle caverns of the mole and the unremaining castle of the ant here the sleek woodchuck passes imperceptibly the ingenuous cottontail finds his brief paradise small moth fold their wings and sleep above are light motion and the clearest strongest colors of the year untarnished by hot suns unmixed with the later browns the dark-eyed yellow daisy sun worshipper rises amid the fresh brilliance of that other starry petaled weed which only sheep will eat celestial blue chicory wanders in from the roadside and will not thereafter be denied yarrow with its balsam fragrance and fern-like leaf the first delicate wild carrot a sway goldfinch yellow of the moth mullein cloverheads of the tyrian dye sunny spray of mustard lie scattered on the crests of hayfield waves in the low grounds on bouldered hillsides far in the woods wherever the mowing machine will grant it a summer spreads the exquisite wild rose dowered like other flowers of june the water-lily the wild grape blossom the syringa with a perfume as wistfully sweet as the form and hue of its chalice that fragrance unearthly never fails to bring a catch of the breath a start of memory when in whatever place it is encountered again you seldom find a wild rose withered they cast their petals down without a struggle and a throng of ardent pink buds are waiting on the bush so it is with the water-lily when the hour strikes she draws her green cloak once more about her and retires from the sun the meadow-rue has shaken out veil upon floating veil in the woodlands the shaded knolls are sprinkled lavender with wild geraniums willing to be background for the may windflower or the buttercups of june among the rocks twinkling red and yellow in the sandy sunny places the columbine swings her cups of honey impartially for glittering hummingbird and blunt-nosed serious bee columbines are delicious could any one regard them sensibly and not as something animate and almost winged the claret-coloured milkweed a natural paradox holds flowing nectar too but there is a paler milkweed so softly tinted of pink yellow and white as to be no colour at all whereto the little yellow butterflies drift to sip at dusk the blossomed elder rests like white fog in the hollows scenting all the country ways and promising elder blossomed wine the dryad's draught in moist and dark retreats under hemlocks and at the doors of caves the ghost lamp is lighted in the brightest spot it can find the small blackberry lily paints against the ledge its speckled orange star it is the time of perfect ferns uncurled quickly from the brown balls and making our northern woods tropical with the sumptuous break and temperate imitations of the tree firm they fill the glades and scale the cliffs they mingle enchantingly along creeks and at the edge of the pond with the regal hosts of the blue flag the lavishly sown iris of the meadows they are matted close in the swamps plumy on the hilltops 
from mosses on old logs spring ferns almost as fairy as the fronds of the moss itself into the whispering twilight of june come many creatures to play strange games and sing such songs as even the many-stringed orchestra of the sunlit hayfield does not know the swooping bat darts from thick-hung woodbine and noiselessly crosses the garden brushes the hollyhocks and speeds toward the moon moths white and pallid green wander like spirits among the peonies sometimes the hummingbird shakes the trumpet vine in the dark queerly restless though he is apollo's acolyte the fireflies are lambently a-wing the cricket's pleading interrupted song is half silenced by the steady hot throb of the locusts the tree-toad's eerie note comes faint and sweet but from what cranny of the bark he only knows the mother-bird guardian even in sleep speaks drowsily to her children from the brooding timber the owl sends his call of despair across acres of friendly fields placid in the dew june nights are wakeful then enchantment deepens for there comes no pause in darkness for the joy of earth end of chapters four five and six